Lafonso Ellis. What is going on, Mr. Ellis? <laughs> What's up, fellas? How you guys doing today? Yeah, man. So for those who don't know, ran into Lafonso at the ACC tournament. Just happened yeah. to be, you know, late night hours. Ran into my man in the uh, lobby of the hotel up there, the Four Seasons in Greensboro. And Lafonso was just one of the nicest guys ever, man. So that was a uh, great interaction we had that turned into this moment here. But Lafonso, let's get straight into it, man. This NCAA field, one of the most uh, just unorthodox ones that you could ever think of, FAU, the uh, Miami, you're talking about uh, San, San, San Diego, Diego State, State and, UConn. Yep. and UConn. So what do you think about uh, the quality of this field and just how unorthodox this tournament has been through and through? Yeah, I, I, I think the quality of the games are going to be at a high level. I just think it's names that people aren't familiar with. Uh, we look back last year, we had uh, essentially a blue blood Final Four with North Carolina, Duke, uh, Villanova, and those teams are brands that everyone knows. And uh, unfortunately, this year, uh, the only one that they may recognize is Connecticut because of the multiple championships that they've won in the past. Uh, but it doesn't take away from the quality of basketball that we're going to see. San Diego State is a team that, uh, in fact, of the four, it was the only one that was preseason ranked in the top 25. And they're formidable on the defensive end. Uh, they do a great job of keeping the basketball in front. They control tempo. They're a team that wants to keep the game in the 50s and the low 60s. And they do that by not turning the basketball over, not giving uh, second-chance opportunities. And uh, they've really been excellent so far uh, in, in this tournament. I had Creighton beaten them, and Creighton missed uh, several opportunities around the rim. They're a terrific shooting team. They're only 2 of 17 from the three-point line. And you're starting to uh, see some stars or some household names being able to emerge on teams like San Diego State. Lamont Butler was absolutely fantastic in that game yesterday with 18 points. And uh, to your point, I think it's a, a trend that will, I think the Blue Bloods will make their presence known again next year. I think this is a little bit of an aberration because the lack of uh, a, of a power team, so to speak, uh, at the level of the Blue Bloods. But uh, make no mistake now, Connecticut, as I said before, having won five national championships, they are, they are a Blue Blood and well-deserving to be in the Final Four. Lafonso Ellis on the Body Works Guest Plus hotline. You can reach him on Twitter at Fonzo ESPN. Lafonso, this is the first time in 53 years that the Final Four has had three first-time squads. Who do you think is the best story out of all of the teams in the tournament? I think it's Florida Atlantic. Uh, now, now, they've been in the top 25 at times uh, during the year, played their way in over 30 wins on the season. And uh, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, four guys in their starting lineup who are uh, under 6'6". They're scrappy. They rebound the basketball well. John L. Davis is an absolute stud at 6'4". Great balance. Shoots the three, drive it. Uh, Greenleaf hit four threes the other day. I think he was four of six uh, from the three-point line. And so when we think of Florida Atlantic, we don't necessarily think uh, final four teams, but they're well-deserving of it. They have a big, a seven-footer inside named Vlad Golden. 
uh, can play with his back to the basket. He'll step out and knock down a three. They play with a really fun style. They push the basketball up the floor quickly, looking for early three opportunities. They shoot about 38% from three. They make 10 uh, a game. And uh, when you consider the fact, the fact that most people didn't even know if Florida Atlantic is even a Division One school, I think they're the greatest story uh, so far in the Final Four. Well, Alfonso, what game do you think is going to be better between these two matchups in the Final Four? Will it be San Diego State and FAU, or will it be UConn and Miami, where Miami's made an excellent run, but UConn, man, They've been very dominant over the last few games they've played so far. Yeah, I, I think I think the latter, and, and part of that is Miami, uh, in a different way and a little bigger than Florida Atlantic. They have four guys uh, in their starting lineup who can shoot the three, who can beat you off the dribble, who can make plays for one one another. When you think of uh, University of Miami, you think of. Uh, Isaiah Wong, who was the ACC player of the year this year. Jordan Miller is an undersized four at six, seven, but he's the same way. They post him at times and he's really good with his footwork down the block. So if you're a person who likes scoring, I'd be shocked if this game is not in the seventies or eighties because UConn, uh, the beauty of their team is they can beat you in any way. They can beat you in the half court. They can beat you in transition. They can play small, go big. Adama Sanogo, of course, is a force on the interior at, at the center spot. Jordan Hawkins can absolutely knock down jump shots. Tristan Newton's had two uh, triple doubles on, on the season already, and they're surrounded by three-point shooters, and they play a really fun, free-flowing style. And so stylistically, if you're a person who likes to see uh, kids be able to make individual plays and get buckets, that's the one to watch. Whereas the San Diego State Florida Atlantic is going to be a pace game. Um, San Diego State, as I mentioned before, is a team who likes to play uh, really slow, physical defensively and keep the score in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Florida Atlantic likes to get out and go scores over 75 points a game. And so that's, gonna, that's the contrasting styles there. Smaller team, uh, likes to play fast, shoot a lot of three individual guys who can make plays off the dribble. San Diego State, a slow, physical, big team that likes to keep the score in the 50s. And so it depends on the style you like. I like scoring, so I'm going Miami, UConn. (laughs) No, I do too. I'll choose that as well, watching Miami and UConn play. LaFonso Ellis of ESPN joining us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wesson Walker. LaFonso, you mentioned one great story in FAU. There's no doubt about it. The team is fun to watch. I think Jim Laranega also a really cool story story to see 17 years to the day he was able to take Miami to the final four after he did so with George Mason as an 11 seed where they beat some excellent teams along the way beating the likes of Roy Williams Tom Izzo Jim Calhoun on that run now I've seen some people talking about just put Laranega into the hall of fame already what do you make of the job that he's done at a football school now having more success in basketball here lately it's really been remarkable to see. I played for the Miami Heat uh, for two years and lived in uh, Coral Gables, and I was always kind of struck by the fact that uh, it's so football dominant that they could hardly actually get people at the games uh, for basketball. And to understand that and to see what Coach Laranega has been able to do with uh, putting them in position year after year to be able to win and how he's been able to adjust and use the transfer portal uh, to really fill in some of the weaknesses that they that they had. They brought in Nigel Pack uh, this year from Kansas State uh, to be in the backcourt. 
with, with Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack took him a little while to get comfortable knowing where his shots were going to come from. But since the mid part of the season, he's been an absolute stud. So you you combine uh, the fact that it's not a basketball school, it's a football school. Attendance was low, now attendance is up. And to be able to go in the transfer portal, get good players, and to be consistently good year after year in, in South Florida, a pretty remarkable achievement uh, by Coach Laranega. LaFonso, when you look at the conferences, and since 2000, the ACC, the ACC has put the most teams in the Final Four. You look up this year, and the Big Ten is not there, the Big 12 is not there, nor the SEC or the Pac-12. What do you think uh, about the narrative that the ACC was down and they have a representative in Miami in the Final Four yet again? Yeah, I, I think it's it's similar to last year, uh, except last year they had really it was really um, top dominant, and and so the two teams that were the most dominant teams were the ones that got to the final four at Duke and North Carolina, um, and and they really didn't have any strength in the middle of that conference last year, and so the the same argument was made because you had two ACC teams get there. My in my judgment, just because two ACC teams got to the Final Four doesn't mean that that makes up for uh, the the lack of strength in the middle and certainly toward the bottom of the ACC. Uh, a little bit more depth this year instead of it being two. Uh, dominant teams at the top. The middle was really good. Clemson was strong. I know they faltered at, at, at some points throughout the season, but um, they, Clemson was strong. Pitt uh, and those teams didn't necessarily, Clemson didn't make it to the NCAA tournament, and Pitt just didn't perform as well in the NCAA tournament. The depth was a little better. There was maybe four to five teams uh, strong in the ACC this year compared to just two last year. So I still think when you consider historically what the ACC has been and what they were, it's still down uh, from that standpoint from their historical past. Now, I know you talked about with this Final Four, you don't think this is going to be the norm going forward. But if we do see this more uh, in the future, do you feel like that the NIL or transfer portal, which one of those do you feel like has had the biggest impact why these smaller schools are starting to make the strides and knocking off uh, the bigger schools? Yeah, I'll say more the transfer portal because in some ways I feel like the NIL, I, I hesitate to call it NIL because true NIL is the three of us having a company and see a younger person who has value that we think that we could pay twenty to $30,000 to bring more visibility to our company. So, of course, that gives them an intrinsic value. Uh, whereas right now, it's, it's it's essentially what it was during my days in school, which was but which was prohibited, meaning uh, wealthy boosters being able to provide money for kids. So, it's not true NIL. It's more pay for play. But having said that, I think uh, as far as NIL is concerned, it's allowed uh, players who aren't who are terrific collegiate ball players, but don't have the ability to play in the in the NBA to actually come back. And I think it strengthens the NC, the the product that we have in the NCAA because you have older players who have been successful. And on the flip side of that, you have the transfer portal. I think the transfer portal is is kind of the great equalizer because what's happening is for years now, it's my 14th season at ESPN, and I used to say because of the premier high school talent coming and only staying for a year and then going on to the NBA, I felt it watered down the talent pool uh, from top down, so it took away the cream. Meanwhile, uh, many of the uh, 
high-level D1 schools started to incorporate a philosophy that was true for low majors and mid-majors, and that is get old and stay old. Now, all of a sudden, you have all of these uh, th- these teams in kind of the middle. They're getting old and staying old through the transfer portal with successful players at a lower level. So now there's a leveling of the playing field, and I think that's exactly why we see the type of we saw the type of parity in the regular season, and I think that's why we have parity now, and that that's existing now in the Final Four and teams that typically you wouldn't think would be able to get to the Final Four that are now in the Final Four due to transfers. And in the starting lineup with Miami, for example, you have two, Norchad O'Meara and Nigel Pack, guys who are impact players on their team. And so I think it's something from that level uh, in terms of the transfer portal we're going to see going forward, continue to see going forward, I should say. Levanto, I did want to ask you about your favorite NCAA tournament memory because I'm looking back at the history. You lost to an awesome Georgetown team in the second round when you played them, and then you lost to Virginia the next year after making it a couple of different times. Is, Is there a memory that stands out to you as, okay, that was my favorite during all of my years playing college basketball and making the big dance? Yeah, in the, in the big dance, it would certainly be that win over Vanderbilt. I can't remember who, who was the higher seed, and to have an opportunity to beat Vanderbilt uh, for my first time in the NCAA tournament in advance to go play against a Georgetown team that ended up having uh, two Hall of Fame NBA players in it, in Dikembe Mutombo and Alonzo Mourning, both of whom during my 11th year playing, 11 years playing in the league were my teammates at different points in time. Uh, the, the, the win over Vanderbilt, and though we lost to Georgetown, at one point we actually had a lead in that game and then their point guard Charles Smith went nuts on us in the second half at 30. Uh, both of those are, are, are memories. One, because of the win against Vanderbilt and secondly, though we lost to Georgetown, went on to play with uh, two incredible guys who made a uh, huge impact uh, in the NBA. Fonzo, one more question and then we'll let you go. We've been talking about the lack of uh, McDonald's All-Americans in this tournament, quote-unquote, can't miss top 10 NBA talent uh, in this Final Four, I should say. Who do you yep. think are some players that will be playing this weekend that have a chance to uh, send their draft stock trending up? Yeah, I, I think you look at guys like Isaiah Wong, who um, – Actually, you know what? Isaiah Wong is a guy who I anticipate that would have a chance to make it anyway, but I think he's improved his draft stock as he's continued to play well because he'll he'll be a guy that he plays a two-guard spot for Miami, but in the league he'll be a a scoring point guard, and he's shown the ability to be able to run a team while being able to get buckets. But I think Jordan Miller has really helped himself. He's shown himself as a a, uh, multiple-position defender. He can guard one through four. He's shown the ability to put the basketball down on the floor with his left or right hand, get in the lane and make the appropriate play. And at 6'7", as you know, those guys these days that have some length uh, on them uh, are valued at the NBA level because of the studs that we have at their position. you got to have some guys that can be able to defend, but on the other side, uh, have a guy that can actually be able to score. So I think Jordan Miller has helped himself immensely. I mean, dude, at 27 points last night, 7-7 foot in field, 13-13 from the uh, three-point line, a good rebounder as well. So I think Jordan Miller has really helped his NBA stock. That's LaFonzo Ellis. You can catch him on Twitter, Fonzo ESPN, on the Body Works Guest Plus hotline. LaFonzo, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you down the road. Thanks, I appreciate you guys having me on. Blessings to you and your families.